We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. There we go. Welcome into Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready, doing a solo show here uh, this evening. Uh, Chase had uh, baseball last night. He's got baseball all weekend, so I'm not dragging him in here and making him do a show with me. I'm trying to talk uh, my son, Carson, into coming in for uh, a little bit, answering a few of the questions in here that he might be able to help us with. I don't know whether he'll show up or not. He made no promises. He didn't promise that he wouldn't, but he said that he might. So uh, anyway, see what happens. I'll take your calls in a little bit. Also on the Campbell Clinic hotline, 662-426-1464. I told you this was Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. It's uh, starting to get warmer outside. It's been cold for a while. You want that AC working in tip-top shape when uh, the time comes to crank it up. We actually cranked ours up yesterday a little bit because it got into the 70s and the house got a little stuffy. We turned ours on. It was working. If you turned yours on and it wasn't or it was acting funny, you need to get in touch with the people at Comer or Southern. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, South Haven, Memphis, that area, get in touch with the guys at Southern, 662-429-429. 4429. This will be an extra edition, if you will, of the Oxford Exxon podcast in audio form on um, Friday. Make sure the Oxford Exxon Blue Sky is a part of your basketball and baseball weekend. Uh, the Rebels entertaining South Carolina in uh, basketball this weekend, 2.30 at the Pavilion Baseball Series uh, this weekend as well. Three game set at home against uh, High Point at Swayze. So stop by the Oxford Exxon on Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can fill up outside, grab some ribs inside. You can also check out their fantastic beer cooler. It's 34 degrees of sudsy goodness. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. Call that number. Ask for my friend, Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. There's no hassle. There's no haggle. You get your quote. The rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around. You can do what I've done, what I recommend that you do, and that's hop into a Clark Ford today, 
888-257-1900. Corey and the people at Clark Ford, they want to be your car guy. They want to be your truck guy. They'll prove to you what that means when uh, you make the call. Great service, great product, 662-257-1900. Guest will join on the Campbell Clinic hotline. Campbell Clinic is in Oxford now. 2608 South Lamar Boulevard, Suite 102, just across the street from the cottages at Hooper Hollow. The Campbell Clinic provides full-service orthopedic care, everything from sports medicine to foot and ankle surgery to spine and total joint care, pediatric orthopedics, physical therapy, and much more. To book an appointment, go to CampbellClinicOxford.com or call 901-759-3111. Walk-ins always welcome at the Campbell Clinic. Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. until 4 p.m. So, uh, again, uh, a little scheduling note in case you were planning your weekend. Ole Miss baseball has moved the Saturday game against High Point. It was originally scheduled to begin at noon. It's been moved to 5 p.m. So, uh, to make room for people to be able to go to the basketball game at 2.30 against South Carolina and then make it over to Swayze if they choose for a uh, 5 p.m. game. I don't know the Friday and Sunday starts right off the top of my head. I want to say 6.30 and 1.30, but please don't hold me to that. Check uh, Twitter, rebelgrove.com, the official Ole Miss site, those kind of things uh, before you take my word for it. But I can tell you that the Saturday game is at 5 o'clock at Swayze, Ole Miss and South Carolina basketball at 2.30. So I've got a few things on my mind that I wanted to talk about a little bit today. And I asked for some questions from you guys. You guys delivered, so we'll probably – mix and match a little bit i'll take uh, i'll take some of those uh, again i've invited carson to come in and, and answer some questions maybe he will i kind of doubt it but he might and if he does that'll be great there's a few questions in here that i think he could answer uh one is from uh, diamond reb 1083 he says where's siski at siski and i recorded uh mccrady and siski powered by rain total body fuel earlier today that's uh up in podcast form you can also catch it on youtube he uh, wants to know about Criteria Club. Tyler uh, went over his picks for tonight on Criteria Club on McCready and Siski. I think he's put it up at rebelgrove.com. I know it's on TikTok. Do us a favor. Follow us on TikTok at McCready and Siski Podcast. McCready, A-N-D, Siski Podcast. We're up over 9,000 followers. If we get to 10,000, we can apply to monetize that, which would be a really good thing for us. And obviously, it would... Uh, let us take some uh, money and turn it around into the show a little bit and uh, maybe do some uh, do some things that we've talked about doing uh, on the McCready and Siski show. 154 uh, episodes in now brought to you by our friends at Rain, Bob Brucato and the folks at Rain. Awesome at what they do. Great friends for us. Bob's got some big personal news that uh, we'll be able to tell you guys about soon because we're super happy for our friend. He's just a fantastic guy. I've gotten to know Bob over the last couple of years. I asked a favor this week, and not only did he deliver, he delivered in just spades. He's he's just super dude. So really excited about that. So we'll tell you about that a little bit more. Uh, Yazoo Reb says, thoughts on the new MLB jerseys? So I've got Padres and Dodgers on spring training game out in Arizona Dodgers lead 14 to one in the night. That's not really the point. The players hate the uniforms. I don't know if you've watched it or you can see it, but they've gone to this new fabric. It's supposedly real stretchy or whatnot, 
but the pants, like the white pants, are basically see-through. It's it's bizarre. Um, the players hate them. They don't like the way they feel. They don't like the way they look, especially on the back. They've taken the MLB logo that used to be up at the top of the back collar, and they've lowered it, I don't know, an inch, two inches, and then that means they've taken the name plate, if you will, and lowered it and made the name smaller, and then the numbers look funny. And the players hate them. So my guess is that because the players hate them the way that they do, um, they're going to go back to the other. I've seen some players, Dansby Swanson of the Cubs, who has a big Nike endorsement contract, for example. He's been diplomatic about it, but that's kind of the most you can say about any of these guys is that a few guys have been sort of diplomatic and you know they said hey we switched to the cool base uniforms and everybody hated them at first and now everyone likes them these are different the the players can't stand them they don't look good um Carson was in here a little while ago and he was I was telling him about the uniform question and he pulled up some stuff he hasn't really been keeping up but he looked at the Cubs home white pinstripe jersey and he was like it looks stupid he didn't like it um the players don't like them and the players are vocal about not liking them, people aren't going to order them. And if they can't sell them, then what's the point? They'll go back to the other. They've just got to figure out how to sort of, uh, I don't know, swallow their pride. I don't know why that's so hard. Hey, we tried something new. It didn't work. We're going to go back to the other. Maybe we'll try something new down the road. But this particular thing uh, didn't work. So uh, that's the, it's kind of the latest on, on the jerseys. Um, let's see. A few of these I'll get to. Given Pete Golding's own past discretions, this is Homewood Reb. With alcohol, he won't be the one chewing Suntarine Perkins's ass. Uh, for those who missed it, I reported early this morning. Others have subsequently reported it that the Ole Miss linebacker got a uh, first offense DUI and reckless driving arrest uh, early this morning, around 2 o'clock, I think. Um, who gets the job of... Um, talking to him. I mean, the strength and conditioning coaches, it's Lane Kiffin. It's look, the message in all of that is, is always the same message you would have for your kids, which is how stupid, how utterly stupid, because you could get yourself killed. You could get your, uh, someone, another person could, I mean, it's a dangerous thing to do and there are especially for football players they've got a list of numbers they can call inside the building in addition to just uber um it's just that's probably the message is that it's it's along the lines of the tj caldwell arrest last week which is i've seen some people say you know oh, boys will be boys and everybody speeds and you know 107 miles an hour running through a red light is a recipe for it absolute tragedy that has to be the message that is a recipe for absolute tragedy it can't it can't happen so i mean i get it people are going to uh people are gonna i don't know joke about whatever it is and, and old miss is going to keep all the discipline internal everyone pretty much does that but you would hope and i would suspect that in both of these situations it's used as a as a a learning lesson where there turns out there were no real ramifications. Nobody got hurt in situations where people could absolutely get hurt. So um, 
I don't know who will handle it, but somebody will. Uh, GREB25 says, I know you don't cover baseball, but I'd appreciate your insight here. Long question, but some of this is context to the situation. If you're Keith Carter, how do you fix baseball? I understand the can't afford to fire him argument, and you have to ask yourself how important is a sport that barely breaks even argument. But I think it's evident that Carter views baseball as pretty important at Ole Miss. If he wasn't, he wouldn't have made Mike Bianco the second-highest-paid coach in college baseball after Ole Miss's national championship, nor would he have signed off on a $40 million project to renovate Swayze. He's depending on fans continuing to show and pay for premium seating, which only happens if the team is winning. So what do you do assuming this season goes like last? So obviously, Ole Miss won the national title in 2022, got super hot at the end, went, won a championship. Um, last season, it was a pretty rough year, 6-24 and 24 in the SEC. Didn't obviously make the SEC tournament, obviously didn't make the NCAA tournament. Uh, finished with a with a whimper. I think they lost their nine nine straight games at the end of the season. It was a, a very poor season on their part. Ole Miss is off to a two and three start. They split a four game series at Hawaii, winning the first two, losing the last two, and then lost the home opener on Wednesday to Arkansas State, uh, four to two. So Ole Miss is two and three heading into the series this weekend against what appears to be a bad high point team. So a number of things, and you're right. I haven't seen them yet. I haven't. I don't cover baseball. Chase does. He does a great job of it. Um, but I keep up with it because obviously we talk about it on the Oxford Exxon podcast, and um, I think I'm one of the people that is. I'm probably one of his primary sounding boards when he's trying to figure out what to write, how to write it, what tone to set, that kind of thing. So I know a good bit about what he thinks. I know what a few other people think, and. The sample size so far is super small, five games, five out of 56 regular season games or whatever the number is. It's incredibly small. It's less than 10% of the, of the schedule, and it's no SEC game. But it's fair to say that informed people have concerns about what this team is, about talent, about uh, just the way the roster's been put together. Uh, are there enough bats? Are there enough starting pitching arms? I think Chase is pretty high on the bullpen, but so far that's about the only thing that he's really high on. And I think that's a sentiment that other people share. So to answer your question, I'm not going to avoid it, what to do about baseball? How do you fix it? Um, the first thing is the same way you fix anything. In this era, you've got to figure out a way to pour enough money into it to where you're competitive. Now, this is where it's interesting. Because if this were a 2-3 record against, say, Texas A&M and LSU, you could use the NIL excuse. You could say, hey, they, they just have more money. They're buying better players. They're able to go in the portal. They're able to, to, to shop in the more expensive areas of the portal. They're able to bring those kind of players in. And... You can't. You had a lot of uh, holes to fill, and it's the whole, you have $1,000, and I have $1,000. I need one thing. You need eight things. I'm going to get a more expensive item with my one thing 
then you're going to, with my $1,000 looking for one thing, then you're going to get spending your $1,000 on eight things. Makes sense. So Ole Miss had to do some bargain shopping. And super early, it doesn't look like it went great. Now, again, it's February. I can't emphasize enough. It's early, small sample size. You can look like an idiot judging an entire baseball season on five games. If you're making sweeping assertions, frankly, you deserve to look like an idiot. I mean, that it's such a small sample size. But what do you do if it if this season goes the way last season went? I think you have to make changes. I know the argument, can't afford them. I think you have to. Now, on the flip side of that, who do you go get? What do you go do? What? How much justification can you put in it? I, I go back to the thing that we talked about earlier in the week. Uh, I'll use the same tired, horrible analogy, but I think it rings true. You've got a pie. Pick your flavor of pie that you like the most. Chocolate, pecan, you can make it a savory pizza pie. Whatever you want to do, I don't care. That's your pie. How much of that pie do you give to football? Because in this era, with football ruling everything, I think you give football the overwhelming majority of the pie. And so when you're through giving it to football and you look at down at the pie and you go, okay, here's what's left. How do you decide how you're going to divide that? How much do you give to men's basketball? How much do you give to baseball? Because look, if you're Ole Miss and you're going to keep Chris Beard for any length of time, you're giving some pie to to basketball. You just are. So how much justification can you give to money for baseball? And are you a program... Um, At Ole Miss, and I think this is a question that applies to basically every program in the country with the possible exception of, in in the SEC, I should say. This might not apply to Texas. Uh, Might not apply as much to Texas A&M. Maybe it doesn't apply to um, Tennessee. They appear to be doing really well at this. I think for everyone else, this is a question you have to answer. Is what is... What can you justify? And if you give if you give X dollars to baseball, are you taking dollars away from football? Are you taking dollars away from men's basketball? How do you prioritize sports? And that's the conversation that in those rooms, Keith Carter and Walker Jones and all of those people, when they sit down to have those conversations, those are hard conversations to have because you have to then figure out either ways to produce new revenues or you've got to tell coaches, hey, we can't give you the resources that you need to be competitive at the highest level of your sport. And if that's the case, I don't know how you get those coaches to stay. If, if you look Chris Beard in the eye in March and say, all right, you need, and I'm just making numbers up, you need $4 million to be a sweet 16 caliber program but we can only give you $1.5 million. And again, I am making numbers up. I have no idea what the numbers are. He probably is going to think to himself, I got to get out of here. On the flip side, if he says, hey, I need $5 million, and you give him $5 million, and he produces, great, but you probably don't have more money to go give to baseball. And that gets into the rest of your question, which is a really good question, by the way, uh, G-Reb. It's... 
is the commitment to more facilities in baseball for premium seats. Chase has all the details on this. I really don't. I know he's written about it. It's like 800 seats or something. Is that really smart in this era of college athletics? With so much based on NIL and, um, you know, the football playoff and um, all of those things and not really knowing what the future is with the SEC, Big Ten. Will, will they break away? What And what happens? Does just football break away? Is it just football and men's basketball? Does does baseball come along for the ride? Women's basketball? I mean, I, no one knows the answers to all of this stuff. And if, without knowing those answers, is it really smart to drop, I'm using your number, I'm taking your word for it, $40 million into another renovation of Swayze? I mean, I would say not. But I'm not out there all the time. I'm not. I'm also not in the room with all of the athletics people that have can look at the numbers and can justify numbers or say this number is worth it or what this would cost over time, how you would finance this, how you would you know how you could maybe even use some of the debt to your advantage. I mean, all of those things. I don't know those answers. In my worldview, looking at college athletics today, I'm giving a ton of the pie to football. I'm tempted to give all of the pie to football. And then I'm giving what's left to men's basketball. And after that, it's crumbs to everything else. But other people have different opinions on that. There are other people who think that Ole Miss can get more mileage out of baseball than it can men's basketball. I think that's flawed. I think you can look at coverage on um, coverage of men's basketball as opposed to coverage of baseball. And I don't think there's any question that there's more bang for your buck with basketball. Um I think if you went to Alabama, if you went to Auburn, if you went to Texas A&M, if you went to LSU, even LSU, I think would tell you, hey, if we'd rather be, we got more mileage out of those days when we were dominant in basketball than we do baseball. And yeah, they get big crowds and all of that stuff. I mean, you just go around the league, Arkansas is that way. I think they would tell you, hey, they got a lot more mileage out of uh, back-to-back Elite Eights and a Sweet 16 than they did trips to Omaha. And the whole well, national championship, it's really hard to win a national championship. 64 teams make the tournament. Only one's going to win it. Um, 63 teams are leaving with a loss. So I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that. It's It's a hard question. At Ole Miss, it's a unique question because – Baseball over the last two decades has become so incredibly popular here. It's good for the city. People come for the weekends. They love it. The The bars are full. The restaurants are full. The weather is typically great. It's a beautiful setting. Mike Bianco has done a fantastic job of making baseball more than a baseball game, which I think is super important in college sports, even in football. I think the sporting event can't be just a sporting event. You've got to have things around it. Mike's been able to do that. Right field's a party. Left field's a family-oriented party. There's a place for the kids to run around. It's something to do on the weekends in Oxford. All of those things. Things that they really haven't been able to consistently do in basketball here. But in terms of justifying what you do and then, you know, I mean, in a world where you get rid of Mike Bianco, for example, and I mean, I'll, I'll say the quiet part out loud. He won a national championship two years ago. And you can do the thing where you're like, well, they barely got in. It doesn't matter. They got in. They won. They won a championship. The banner's there forever. Everybody got their rings. They're putting up a statue of Tim Elko. All of those things. All of those things are real. So in the coaching world, the minute that you get rid of Mike Bianco or Mike Bianco retires or anything else, 
the coaches, the, sa- the, the kind of coaches that you're going to want who you think can take your program and elevate it to a, a, a level higher than where Mike has it right now are going to ask the same question. Well, tell me about your NIL. And I don't know what that answer is. And if your answer is, well, it's not great, they're going to say, well, then why am I going to go to the best league in America? A league where, I mean, look at the schools in the SEC that are super committed to bas- to baseball. LSU, obviously. Texas A&M. Texas. Um, Tennessee. Florida. Vanderbilt, to some extent, even though I think they're starting to figure it out as a private school. Uh, Arkansas, certainly. Um you can argue about Mississippi State. I think they're in a weird spot, but they want to be competitive in, in baseball, certainly. And I'm probably leaving somebody out. South Carolina is very committed to it. Um, Auburn has been in Omaha a couple years ago when Ole Miss was there. I mean, they, they, they're interested in it. Um, I mean, the list just kind of goes on and on. It's, it's how, do you, how would you attract a coach? Because that's the first thing – that coach is going to ask. And if it's a coach who's highly sought after, there's going to be other opportunities that he's going to have either that year, or maybe he holds, keeps his powder dry and waits one more year for a a different opening in the sec at one of the programs that has more NIL money. So it's a complicated thing. It's a, I get all of the emotion during the course of a week. And and, and on a Wednesday night, when you, when you, when Ole Miss loses to Arkansas state and, and people remember what last year felt like and, say, hey, that looked a lot like last year, and what do we do? And it's real emotional, but when you take a step back from it, the fix on that is pretty hard. As opposed to men's basketball where, I mean, you look at a couple of the environments earlier this year when uh, they were winning a little bit more. They're in a in a bit of a malaise right now. I, well, there's a basketball question. I'll get to it in a minute. But um, that kind of environment, in that time of the year is is pretty important if you can pull it off. And everyone sees it, and people watch the NCAA tournament. Everyone watches the NCAA tournament. Those are stories that um, everybody does a bracket. Everybody watches those games. It's something that college baseball just can't claim. Can't claim. Does that justify making basketball more important than baseball? I think, again, I think it's, in, it's one of those beauty is in the eye of the beholder things. It's a great question. I hope I addressed it uh, properly. I'll tell you before I get to some more of your questions that were brought to you by Factor. Factor is delicious, and their ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have more than 35 options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan plus veggie, and more. And there's even more to enjoy with more than 55 nutrition-packed add-ons that help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today. Have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. They have two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Uh, Sign up and save. They've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout. And every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. It's the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. It's flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you want by choosing 6 to 18 meals per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. There's no prep, no mess meals. 
Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash mpw50 and use code mpw50 to get 50% off. That's code mpw50 at factormeals.com slash mpw50 to get 50% off. Uh, All right, uh, back to some of your questions. Appreciate everyone for for doing this. Yeah, Moonshine says, hire Tony Valls for baseball. His very first question, Tony Vitello, and whether you're joking or not, it's funny. I mean, Vitello's really good. His very first question would be, tell me about your NIL. It's the reason he stayed at Tennessee this long. Frankly, his next question would be, tell me why I should take your job and not wait one more year for the Arkansas job, where he used to be an assistant for Dave Van Horn. Why should I take your job? Tell me about your NIL. Mike won a championship two years ago. You're getting rid of him. Why? Tell me about your NIL. And if you can't answer that question uh, in a really satisfactory way, a lot of those people are going to say, hey, man, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to stick where I am. I'm not going to go jump into the lion's den without a weapon. That's the problem. And, you know, that's – it's a new – three years ago, the Ole Miss job was super attractive. Three years later, it's still really attractive, but now there's a question mark. Do you have the resources to compete in this environment, in in this landscape? And I'm not saying you don't, but if you're going to attract a coach of, say, Tony Vitello's um, caliber, not using him specifically because I don't really think that would be the best fit in the world, but if you're going after someone with that resume, that's going to be the question that you're going to have to answer satisfactory, satisfactorily, I should say. All right, uh, Dr. Dan, 321, says, who's behind the nationwide outages today? I asked, uh, asked my son this morning, or this afternoon when he got back, what it was like at school. It sounds like it was mass panic. I'm trying to get him in here to answer these questions to help me a little bit. Um, the explanation that was given of a solar flare was such utter BS that it does make you sort of put your um, conspiracy hat on a little bit. Makes you wonder, what was it? Was it a trial run by a foreign entity kind of wanting to see what it's, how easy it would be to, you know, hack into some of our systems? I don't know. It, it, I don't know. It was interesting. It got fixed midday. So it was, I don't know what time that happened in the middle of the night. So it was five to eight hours where people uh, were limited on their phones. You could use your phone if you were connected to Wi-Fi. It didn't affect everyone's phone. For example, it affected my phone. It affected Carson's phones. Um, Carson's phone. It didn't affect my wife's phone. I'm not sure about my girls. I didn't. Neither one of them mentioned it, so I'm tempted to say that it didn't impact them either. Um, I learned how to do Wi-Fi calling today. It was kind of an old man moment for me, which was good. I, did, I had no idea that you could go in and set your phone to Wi-Fi calling. So I was able to use my phone at home connected to Wi-Fi. De Niro says it happened around 3. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Uh, the rest of the question, Bigfoot. Is Bigfoot real? If so, is he an interdimensional traveler that cannot be found because he jumps between space and time? 
Uh, I'm going to say Bigfoot's not real. Anybody in the stream want to say Bigfoot's real? I don't think Bigfoot's real. And I'm, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist. But I just think like Bigfoot, if there were really a Bigfoot, we'd, we'd have in today's era of phones and stuff, we have video of everything. We'd have, we would have crystal clear video of Bigfoot. It's like the Loch Ness Monster. At this point, we'd have video of the Loch Ness Monster. We would know. So there is no Loch Ness Monster. Yeah. Let's see a question earlier that I was going to get to. Uh, Jay says, is 10 and 8 good enough to make the tournament? It's bubbly as hell, Jay, for Ole Miss. That's winning four of the last five. So if your 10 and 8 is beating South Carolina on Saturday, losing at home to an Alabama team that is probably the best team in the league, has a net of five, I think, as of today, five or six, somewhere there, uh, winning in Athens against a Georgia team that has an, a net in the 90s, winning at Missouri against a Missouri team that has a net in the 150s, 160s, and then uh, beating Texas A&M at home. The Aggies have a net of around 50. Ole Miss's net as of today was 68, 69. Would that be enough? Like where they went to Nashville for the SEC tournament and it didn't matter what happened. Would that be enough? Would 10 and 8 get you in? That would be 23 and 8, 10 and 8 in the SEC. I think so. I think you'd get in. They might send you to Dayton. And if they did, you wouldn't have a leg to stand on to argue about it. Your, your metrics are not awesome in that scenario. I think 10 and 8 gets you in. I am confident 9 and 9 does not. I think 10 and 8 does it. I, I, I think it would be uncomfortable if you went to Nashville on Thursday and lost to um, some of those middle, because that would put you sort of in the middle of the deal. So you'd be playing a, a Mississippi State, uh, maybe an LSU. We'll talk about the basketball schedule in a minute. I've got it pulled up. It, it would be. Be close. You wouldn't want to lose on Thursday and have to sit around Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, all day Sunday waiting for the committee. You'd you'd be pretty antsy. You'd if at ten and eight, you'd sure want to play on Friday's quarterfinal round. You'd want to beat somebody on Thursday. And then if you lost on Friday, as long as it were to Bama or Auburn or Kentucky or Tennessee, you'd be fine. You'd you'd be fine. Florida even, you'd be fine. But you wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to play that game. You wouldn't want to play that game at all. By the way, Jay thinks it was a cyber attack. I think that's certainly possible. Um, Pinewood Reb says, in a podcast in December, you talked about how Beard's team always gets better as the season progresses. Have you been surprised to see this team uh, seemingly stall or maybe even regress over the last three weeks? Yeah, a little bit. You know, when they beat Mississippi State at home and then dominated a really good Auburn team in the first half on that ensuing Saturday, I thought, holy cow, man, this team's going to win 12 SEC games. He's going to be SEC Coach of the Year. 
He's going to get votes for National Coach of the Year. He's taken this team and just maximized it. And then the second half of Auburn happened. And they really haven't been the same team since. Uh, They went to South Carolina and had a horrible first half. Didn't have quite enough to finish the job in the second half. Um, They, you know, it seems like I'm forgetting. They went to Kentucky and got blown out, really. Um, Beat Missouri, but not impressively. And then had that really bad second half Wednesday night in Starkville. They've not played well down the stretch. It's the part of me, frankly, that going four and one down the stretch, even the schedule that we just talked about, feels like a real mountain right now, the way that they're playing. They're not they're not playing good defense. They're rebounding the ball a little better, but they still give up these horribly timed offensive rebound that rebounds that lead to second chance points. The second chance points are killing them. Uh they're turning the ball over more. Early in the year, even in SEC play, if you go back and remember, in SEC play, when they were playing well, they were not turning the basketball over. Now they're turning it over a lot. A lot. And that's just not a recipe. They don't have – they have one really good player in terms of guys who are going to get, like, all SEC votes. Matthew Morrell's had a terrific year. And then you have some role guys. Flanagan's a good player. They're asking a lot of Alan Flanagan. They're asking a lot of Jamin Brakefield – uh, Musa Cisse is not giving them a lot offensively. I, there's a part of me that wonders if he's fully healthy. Uh, Sharp gets played off the field, off the court, I should say. Uh, Jalen Murray was terrific early. They're starting to put big guards on him now. Uh, guys are playing a ton of minutes to De Niro's point. They're, I wonder if they're kind of tired, running on fumes, running out of running on out of gas. Uh, the pressure's up now. I mean, like you look at. You look at the games on Tuesday night, and you can start seeing how pressure impacts games. I mean, Tennessee's fine. They're in the tournament. But they had nothing to win in Missouri and everything to lose. And they were tight. Missouri has nothing to, nothing to lose anymore. They're done. Missouri played them close. It was a close game. Arkansas, they're done for the year. Right? They're just like a game over 500 now or right at 500. They're not going to the tournament, barring some sort of a miracle. They're not going to have the season that they thought they'd have. Uh, I think their coach is leaving. A lot of people in Fayetteville think their coach is leaving. There's every reason for them to kind of like quit. But instead, they're just like, hey, let's just play loose. And the last few games, they've played pretty loose. Gave Kentucky a real good game at home. Uh, gave Mississippi State a really good game in Starkville. And then they go to College Station and they play a Texas A&M team that really had to beat Arkansas at home. A&M plays a little tight. Arkansas plays a little loose. Bang. Arkansas wins the game by what was it? Eight points, seven points, whatever it was. It doesn't matter. Huge loss for AM. Just a feel good for, for, for the Razorbacks. So you've got that happening, that element happening now, and the pressure's on Ole Miss. Like when Ole Miss goes to Georgia, the pressure's on Ole Miss. Uh, tomorrow night or Saturday afternoon, I should say, the pressure's on Ole Miss. Ole Miss has to win the game. Uh, when Ole Miss goes to Missouri, the pressure's all on Ole Miss. There's no pressure on Missouri. Um, Ole Miss, Texas A&M at the end of the season, there's a chance that that is a really high-stakes game. We'll see. But they've got to start playing better. Bottom line, you can talk about all the other stuff. They've got to play better, especially on the defensive end, or we're not going to be having this conversation much more. Because if they lose on Saturday and then lose to Alabama, it's done. It's night-night. It, we're 
they've run out of uh, they've run out of runway. They've got to get they've got to get um, they've got to get the plane down safely now, or it's or they're headed towards a crash. They've got to beat Carolina. That gives them a little bit of a free shot against Bama. Where if you beat Bama, we're having a different conversation. But assuming a loss to Alabama, then you've got to go play. You're you're out of. De Niro says they're out of gas. They're certainly out of uh, out of runway. the The path is really thin right now. Uh, let's see. Um, a Bears fan in MS says just spent a couple of days in Northwest Arkansas for work. And want to know why Oxford's quote scenery is so much better than Fayetteville? Is it something in the water? Um, given that I have a, a daughter up there and a lot of her friends, and I have a uh, another daughter who graduated there and is returning soon, I will uh, I will pass on that question. Um, I don't know. I this is maybe this is me being an old man. I think there's lots of beautiful girls at most every school. I mean probably more the beauty in the eye of the beholder thing. I'm I'm I try not to be the creepy guy that walks around college campuses checking out 19, 20 and 21-year-old girls. It's Chase not even realizing that I'm uh, I'm podcasting. I'm about to tell him I'm podcasting right now. He has no idea. That hurts my feelings a little bit. Uh, let's see. What was the other uh, other part of that? There wasn't any other part of that question. Um, all right. Kyle DeHaas says, the Eli Gold situation unfolded about as bad as it could. Do you know the story? Chris Stewart is much better at it. Does an amazing job, but it's just awkward. Um... I do know some of the story. Um, I know a good bit of the story. I'm trying to think which parts of that story I feel comfortable expressing um, or talking about. When Eli got sick, um, Chris Stewart, full disclosure, is a good friend of mine. We've been friends for 25 to 30 years. I know Chris pretty well. Um, Chris filled in, did an exceptional job. He's he's a very talented broadcaster. He does, in the past, he's done Alabama baseball. He is the voice of Alabama basketball. He is um, just a very talented, professional broadcaster. Um, so... It's my understanding that a year ago, Alabama was planning on making this move and making Chris Stewart the voice of the Crimson Tide. And I can't remember. I want to say Tom Rinaldi or someone did one of those stories about Eli Gold, about recovering, about trying to get back in the booth, about Alabama football being the voice of Alabama football, being such an important part of his life. And that story aired. I don't think Alabama was aware that he was doing that interview. And then they found out about it, and they knew that story was running. I want to say it was the first week of the season. Don't hold me to this, but Alabama was scheduled to open the season in one of those um, games at neutral sites, maybe at 
Atlanta. I don't remember exactly, but ESPN ran the, was planning to run the story then, and so Alabama punted on that decision. And they still needed Chris. Chris did a lot of work for them, did some fill-in stuff. Um, I think it was one of those deals where at some point they had a decision to make. Could you risk losing Chris, who's basically my age, maybe a little younger. It's kind of his turn. He's earned it. Um, he does a terrific job. And Eli Gold's contract was up at the end of June. And sometimes you just have to make business decisions. And um, that's what they did. So I don't know all the details on it. I have not talked to Chris. I sent him a message. Um, I'm sure he's gotten hundreds and hundreds of messages from people. He's incredibly well-liked there, well-respected there. Um, this would be a natural time at Alabama to make a move after all of the years where Nick Saban was the face of that program. and he's Nick Saban is retired, obviously, and that just makes some sense to uh, go ahead and go to Kalen, I mean, go to a, a new voice that's a familiar voice when you're switching from the greatest of all time in Nick Saban to a new coach in Kalen DeBoer who came over to Alabama from Washington. But I'm not super comfortable saying a whole lot more than that because of my relationship with Chris and I don't remember everything that I've heard, whether it was on or off the record and all of those things. And so I'll, I'll be careful there. Uh, yeah. As I said earlier in the show, a couple people asked, where's chase? I'm not making him come over here on a Thursday night. He covered a game last night. He's got bas baseball all weekend. So uh, tonight's kind of a family night for him. Uh, I did not ban chase from the Clark Ford studios at all. Um, what's really happened is over the first four weeks of my recovery from knee surgery, when I couldn't get up here, this is an upstairs room in our house. I couldn't get up here. And, um, he drove the show from there. And frankly, it's just easier for him. I don't blame him a bit to get here in the mornings with all the traffic in Oxford. There's an infrastructure question. I'm going to answer in a minute. Uh, he has to basically leave his house 25, 30 minutes early to get over here. And then we set up and then afterwards he's got to drive someplace and that kind of thing. So it kind of makes sense for us to do it remotely unless there's a reason for us to be together. And I'm sure we'll probably at some point get back to doing it in here or whatever, but it certainly makes his morning a lot more efficient, uh, not having to drive here and drive back. Uh, than the other, if that makes any sense. Uh, let's see. Um, Deuce McCluster 22 wants to know whatever happened to Chris Landry after y'all's final episode. Were you more upset over that ordeal or Houston nuts 49 to 10 rant where he felt it necessary to call you out? Um, I don't know what's going on with, with Chris. I have not talked to him since we stopped doing that show that show was costing me money i couldn't get chris to understand that um i did not like the show i did not think the show was good um i've hit a point in my career where i'm doing so many podcasts this is going to sound a little arrogant i don't mean for it to but if I do a show that I, that 
I do enough shows to know when I when we do a show that's really good. I do enough shows to know when we do a show that didn't hit the mark or that we didn't have enough energy or it just wasn't very good or any of that stuff. And that show was never good. And there were so many times that in the midst of that show, I just, had I had hair, I would have pulled it out. I hated the show. I thought it sucked. I told the people in Atlanta who were sort of over that show that I thought it sucked. Um, and then he kind of got, he did that thing about, it was about big SEC expansion and some stuff like that. And he was wrong. And he kept calling out journalists. And he was calling out people like Andy Staples, really, who's terrific at what he does. I've known Andy since I was covering Auburn as a pup. And Andy was covering Florida as a pup. And, um, I mean, Andy's obviously made it a long a, lo- a, a long way in this field. He's really good, and he's a very good journalist. And and it just, I, I just, I hit a point where I couldn't do it anymore. And the whole Nick thing, where he called me Nick, that had nothing to do with it. That was funny, and it made for a funny moment for people that were watching and listening. But that didn't impact my decision. Um, in fact, if you go back and watch that show, God help you, you'll see me typing at one point. I'm literally typing the producer saying, we've got to talk when this is over. And I quit when it was over. I told him I, I just wasn't doing it anymore. I, I told him they asked me to give it another chance. I, I declined. Um, it was the right move for me. I knew it was, and um, it was. It was the right thing to do. And, it, you know, the flip side of that is that I tried the show with Tyler Siski and right off the bat knew that we had a hit. I knew it was really good. I enjoy it. It's fun. We do it twice a week. Tyler does 90% of the prep, understanding that I have other shows and other things, and uh, that show's fun. We have a a sponsor. We make some money on it. We have a chance to make a lot more money on it, Um, but it's enjoyable. I get a kick out of it. People like it. I'm proud of it. Um, Even when it's not a great show, it's still a funny show. We've come up with some new things. Uh, I think Tyler's really gifted. He's funny. And we do the life advice thing, which is fun. It's a ripoff of Ryan Rosillo's life advice, but we've got a sponsor for it. It's just more fun for me. I enjoy it. And, you know, in football season, when I'm doing five, six, seven Oxford Exxon podcast a week and two shows with Tyler and I'm doing the show with, with Pete and I'm doing the show with uh, with Greg Jones and I do mine on my money, and I do the show with Josh Hendrickson, which I love doing. I, there's no point in me adding a show that I hate doing. It's just pointless. And so I, I, I didn't want to, and life's too short. And I didn't, the, the show with Chris was horrible, and it made me miserable. Got a, uh, got a call here, so we'll go, uh, we'll go to the Campbell Clinic hotline. Who, who do we have? Hey, who's this? Name's Kevin. Hey, Kevin, what's up, man? Kevin. Hey. Not much. Look, uh, enough time has gone by. Can you divulge all you know about the Mike Price situation in Alabama? The Mike Price situation? Yeah. Yeah. And I, you found out all. Yeah. Um, how? You know, all the minutia, you know? I mean, I, I don't even remember all of it. It's been a minute. A lot of things have happened in my life since then. Um, thank you for the call. Um, 
I remember hearing about it on a Friday. I had a radio show I did with uh, Taylor Zarzer and w, WNSP and Mobile, and I remember telling Taylor about it and uh, making some calls that evening into that Saturday. Uh, it was obvious that something had definitely happened. I heard different things, and over the course of the next few days, I went to Pensacola and talked to a lot of people and uh, went to, what was the name of the club? Uh, Arity's Angels. The, the uh, performer's name was Destiny, if I recall correctly, and I talked to her. I talked to people there. I talked to people at Sammy's, which was another gentleman's club, that he was rumored to have gone to. I went to that hotel. I want to say it was the Omni, but something like that, one of the hotels in Pensacola. And we talked to staff about what happened that night. And um, Tom Murphy, who covered Alabama at the time for the Mobile Register, he now covers Arkansas for the Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Tom and I worked on that story together. Uh, we won a national award, I remember that, for uh, investigative reporting. Um, but that was the story. I mean, he used a credit card and he just, uh, there was just a lot there. And he, about a week later, uh, Alabama made the decision not to retain him. I don't really know that there's a whole lot more to add to it. I don't remember all of the minutiae. I remember the thing about what they, what she ordered in the room. I can't remember whether he went back to the golf. I think he went back to the golf course and left her in the room and she ordered one of everything and was trying to take everything out like in a to-go order. And it, it was just one of those moments for Alabama where I think they realized that or felt like it was going to be so embarrassing that they couldn't overcome it. And so they let him go and they ended up hiring Mike Shula. And, um, you know, the rest of that story. He coached at UTEP for a while. Grind he says, did he coach a small Texas school? He coached at UTEP for a minute. I don't know where he is or if he's still with us or not. Um, I do remember the paper contacting him before we ran the story and asking questions. And the one part that he pushed back about was the the stuff that was told to us about Sammy's. And we, I remember taking that out of the story. Thank God. It, interesting time. That was one of those, uh, that was one of those stories that in the moment you're like, I probably should remember every bit of this in case everyone to write about it or something, but I wasn't thinking like that. By my last trip to Pensacola, I was just thinking about not getting killed or the hell beat out of me. They they knew who I was at that point when I went into Airdies and the last time the paper asked me to go back one more time and I refused. And I think when I refused they realized that I I was scared. I physically was worried about my I was physically worried about my health at that point. I didn't I I didn't want to uh I, I didn't want to get I didn't want to get hurt. All right, uh, let's see. Back to the um, Jamunster says Oxford is growing faster than the city can handle. What does Oxford need the most now? That infrastructure, shopping, general livability. Yeah, you know, I live on the north side of town. Uh, the Oxford Commons has really developed. I wish it would develop more. I wish there was I wish there was more the part of Oxford that I wish could grow is the part that is away from the square. Obviously the square's thriving and everybody wants to be on the square and the square is incredibly vibrant. Like there's just no wasted space hardly at all on the square. It's a 
incredible area. People love it. They go there. And I get why nobody wants to ever really go off the square because nothing, quote, has worked. I wish that there were some restaurants and things that could work in other parts of town, especially my part of town, North Park. Um, I wish there were a few more entertainment options. Um, obviously the roads, they've, 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 they've done a lot of work to kind of expedite traffic. I wish they could do something about getting off of, uh, off of seven, trying to take a left to go towards Kroger and LBs and all of that. That's an absolute nightmare. Uh, it's just a town that's grown super fast and the, the, School has grown super fast. They've had huge enrollment advances over the last several years, especially the last few years. And when the kids are in town, meaning the college kids, you can really tell it. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not an engineer. I, it seems to me that they've got to keep up with the roads and that kind of thing a lot, especially if, if Ole Miss is going to continue to grow because it's – it's a vibrant town, and when the, when the kids are here, that's 25,000 students or so. Is that about what Ole Miss's enrollment is? I might be underestimating the enrollment. And the town itself, forget the Ole Miss part of it, the town itself in the 15 years that we've lived here has feels like it's doubled. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's crowded. There's a lot of people here, but um, I think they probably have to build more schools. They probably have to think about building another school. There's just a, there's a lot. It's... We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, who do we have? Hey, caller, you're on. Hey, Neil. How you doing? This is Austin. Hey, Austin. What's up? Man, not much. Uh, before I get into my question, just uh, real quick for us and everybody listening, uh, how's your recovery going, man? Oh, thanks for asking. Uh, it's six weeks today. Um, I went my follow-up. Everything went well. I've been cleared to kind of start walking. Uh, I think he told me four to six weeks from now I can start a, a running um, regiment carefully. Um, really no pain. Still kind of stiff, but uh, no pain anymore. Um, I'm not popping Advil every four hours like I did for about four weeks. Um, it's going good. It's going good. I'm glad I did it. I, I had to do it. I was, it was becoming... It was becoming debilitating, and I wasn't going to be able to do a lot of the things that I enjoy doing. The The meniscus was shredded, and it was it hurt a lot. I, w- I woke up in pain this fall a lot. Uh, 
I woke up, I'd wake up at two in the morning and it was just killing me. And I, I, I knew I needed to do something and I knew there was never a really good time to do it, but I figured when the, you know, when the football season ended, when the bowl season ended, was probably the, the time to do it. I'd hoped to do it a week earlier than I did it, but, um, you know, I've missed, I've had to cover some home basketball games from TV, but that's really been about the only, the only thing. And we've had to do the podcast remotely, but this was the time to do it. I, I couldn't do it in the fall. It would have been a nightmare, but I was able to do it this way and it wasn't that big of a deal. Thanks for asking. No problem. I'm glad you got seen and I'm glad you got taken care of. Uh, real quick, uh, I've, you hit on something today on McCrady and Fisky that I've been talking with my friends and family about. Every time that I bring it up, they look at me like I've got two heads. But you, you hit on something about, uh, and I won't dive into politics real quick. I just kind of want to get your opinion on something. So 2024, it's almost a done deal essentially who's going to be the Republican nominee this election cycle. Yeah. Uh, barring anything I've seen. My quick question that I'm bringing up to you is if, if you're the, if, if you're the Republican party and I'll even throw the Democrat party in here for, for giggles in 2028, more than likely you're not going to have Donald Trump or Joe Biden. <laughs> I would, I would, that would be pretty, I think that's a pretty safe. Bet. Yeah. And if you're the if you're either one of those parties, if you were just like crystal balling it, who do you believe is like the prime ideal for both candidates for both parties? Prime ideal 2028 election, Republican versus Democrat. You who know, would you say right you, now? If you go through history, we've always had a we we've always gotten to points in American history where a third party emerges. You know, it hasn't always been Democrats versus Republicans. There were the Democrat Republicans. You had the Whigs. You've had other. You've had other candidates, other parties, I should say. I, I think the atmosphere is more ripe for a new party today than ever before. I mean, I really believe what I'm about to say. I do not think our country is as crazy divided as the media and the internet wants you to believe. I really don't. I don't. I don't think that the the far right and the far left represent nearly as much of our country as the media wants you to think. I, I just think most of us, uh, A, don't have a lot of time for that. B, I don't think our value system is all that different than it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. I think the, I think there is a, a desire among uh, some for us to be divided, for us to hate each other. It's one of the reasons I think so much in, in of, of like social media, they really harp on like things like race and, and, and the, you know, the transgender thing. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know many people. I don't, I'm not sure that I know any people that are as quote racist as we're told that, you know, as, 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 as are portrayed. Right. I, I just don't think people think that way. I, I don't, I didn't raise my kids that way. I wasn't raised that way. I think, I think that's pretty pervasive. I just, I don't I'm still amazed to answer your question. I'm trying not I'm trying not to go long deep on this. I'm still amazed that it's Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. It's two people that neither one, if you do if you look at the polling data, neither one of them come close to forty percent on popularity. Isn't that incredible? Neither and one of them. And at the end of the day, I didn't mean to cut you off. At the end of the day, like you said, like you talked about it today, I mean, either one whether it's Trump or Biden is going to be in their either early or mid eighties by the time they would be out of office in, yeah. their, in their term. Trump would be 82 at the end of a, 
second term. Biden would be 86 at the end of a second term. So, I, But to answer your question, I don't know. I mean, look, I think DeSantis has positioned himself to run again. Uh, I think Gavin Newsom certainly has his eye on the future with the Democratic Party. Um, but I, 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 one of these one of these parties is going. Obviously, let's say it's Biden versus Trump, and I'm not convinced it's going to be Biden versus Trump. I'm not convinced things aren't going to change. But if it's Biden versus Trump, one of them's going to lose, obviously. And whoever loses once they get through with, and, and whoever loses, by the way, is going to claim that the election was fixed. That's that's absolutely going right. to happen. But once the internal people deal with the reality of losing. Um, they'll have to address where they went wrong. And if it's the Republicans, it's super simple. It's you leaned into Donald Trump way too hard for way too long. And if it's, if it's the Democrats that lose, I think they have to look each other in the eye and go, this is the second time in three election cycles that you lost the white house because you were so married to identity politics. Right. No, I agree with that on both sides. So, you know, and I you think know, I, just, I think there's a real chance that that the third party candidates actually get enough of the vote to not impact the election per se, but to where people can't ignore how many people voted for someone other than in this case Biden or Trump. So, do you believe that in this election cycle, do you believe that Kennedy is going to get more percent of the vote, uh, the raw the total vote than any independent or third party's had in a long time? Yeah, I don't think he's going to get Ross Perot numbers, but I, I, I do think he's going to get you know six, seven, eight percent, which is a significant amount. I mean, that's a lot of votes. I can see that. Too. You know, I can see that too. Yeah, and then the, you know, you're always going to have some of the candidates that get like a half of a percent. You know, like the Green Party and all of that stuff. But look, I, I think Robert Kennedy's probably going to get enough votes to where people can question why was he not part of the debate process? Why did we not hear more from him? Why was you know, why did he not get a seat at the table? At least a little bit, you know? I mean, but barring something really weird, Trump's going to blow out Nikki Haley in her home state on Saturday. The Democratic Democratic side is not even having primaries, really. Biden's going to be their nominee. So we're about to have this really long, nasty, heated um, election cycle between two octogenarians who are going to talk about every they're, they're going to attack each other on personal stuff on January 6th on you know uh the Trump refusing to to concede on Hunter Biden I mean we're going to do it's going to be everything except for the stuff that people this is my point except for the stuff that people like you and me and probably everybody who's listening to this think about who think about all the other things going on in our country, you right. know, interest rates and the cost of food and the cost of gas and what's going on in, 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 you know, overseas and, 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 and just our national security and the border. We're not going to talk about those things. We're going to talk about the, the, the personal animus between these two men. And it's really sad because the more time we spend bickering, the less time we actually get anything done positive on either side. Yeah. I agree. I agree with that. I agree completely. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you answering my question. I'll let you get back to the show. Thanks a lot, man. I hope you get to feeling better. Thank you. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call on the uh, Campbell Clinic hotline. Let's see. I'll get back to some of the questions. I'm still trying to talk Carson into coming in here, but so far I'm, I'm not having any luck. 
Uh, Jason Berner says, what's next for you in life once you and your wife are empty nesters? The honest answer to that question is, I don't know. I mean, I really, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know what's next for us. Um, we've built so much of our lives around our kids and, um, you know, Carson's got another year left and it was the, the emotional part for me of his soccer season as it wound down this junior year was not the winning or the losing. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I desperately wanted him to win. Uh, caller, hang on real quick. I'm going to finish answering this question and I'll get right to you. I, I wanted them to win, obviously. Um, the emotional part for me. Hey, car, hey, caller, turn your, turn your, uh, device down. I wanted them to win. Uh, they went to the state semifinals. They lost to Hernando who went on to win the state championship. Um, you know, when you make the playoffs, the further you go, you're going to play good teams. And at some point someone's got to lose. It wasn't that it was the realization that there was just one year left, that there was just one more season. And that this time a year from now, that thing that we've done so much, which is going to watch his games and all of that stuff won't be there. And I don't really know. I don't really know, you know, kind of what we feel like when that's over. I think both of us to answer your question, I think we'll kind of see where our kids are and what they're doing and what we can do, what we want to do. And then we'll kind of make some decisions at that point. I'm not ducking the question. I just, I don't really know the answer. Um, Tupelo Reb 99. At what age are you eyeing retirement? Man, I, this, this day and age, I don't know. I don't know that anybody can afford to retire. Um, I'm, I'm way too young to even think about retiring. I don't feel old. So haven't even given that a thought. Um, I don't know what chapters next for me, what that is, what it's not. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm open-minded to some things and obviously I have some interest in some other things and I've talked to people about things, but we'll see. Uh, Florida Reb 10 says, since spring training is about to start, what are your MLB predictions? I mean, the easy one in the National League is that if the Braves can stay healthy and the Dodgers stay healthy, they look like two behemoths just headed for one another. Um, the Dodgers on paper are phenomenal. Uh, the, the, the Braves on paper are amazing. I know that the Braves got eliminated last year and they, they ran into a red hot Phillies team. Um, but they're still a great, great team. They're so balanced. They really have no flaws. Uh, the Dodgers now with Yamamoto added to the rotation and Shohei Otani added to the lineup as a DH, they look like they would be impossible to beat. I'll get back, I'll get back to the baseball in a minute. Go ahead, caller. What's up? So balanced, baby. Hey, caller. Hey, um, am I? Yeah, you're on. Is this? Neil? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious if you have uh, listened to the uh, Nick Saban comments on Fox that 
published seems very consistent with what you have said um, uh, about NIL or pay to play or whatever. Yeah. So was just curious to see what you if you've listened to it and if you uh, thought about it. So I'll hang up and okay. listen to you. Yeah, um, I have not listened, but I have read it. I actually have the story up. It was one of the things I wanted to talk about. I thought it was interesting today a little bit to watch. Um, obviously, I follow Lane Kiffin on, on Twitter. I, I'd be stupid not to. Uh, a couple of different times, maybe more than that, Lane has um, parroted what Nick Saban said. And I, I thought that was super interesting because obviously no one has – managed NIL and the transfer portal better than Lane Kiffin has, period. Nobody. Maybe someone has done it better, just as good, but no one has done it better. And yet, this is what I give Lane a ton of credit for. I'm going to get to your Saban answer. I'm, I'm, I'm building to that. What I give uh, Kiffin the most credit for is he'll tell you that this system is broken. He won't won't budge from it. It's broken. It doesn't work. He doesn't think it's sustainable. He, I think he thinks it's stupid. I think he thinks it's dangerous for the sport. Now, he makes the most of it because that's what his job is, and that's the way he's wired. It's okay, these are the rules that I have to work with. This is the, this is the paradigm. This is the, the landscape in which I have to work. I'm going to work with it. But then he'll tell you, as he did at the Peach Bowl, as he does all the time, as he sort of said today by referring to what Saban said and saying, hey, see, he can say it now. He's not at Alabama anymore. Um, Nick Saban said, hold on, I'm going to get this caller to hang tight. Hey, caller, are you on? I lost him. Okay, Nick Saban said, I'm not really looking for a job. But I do know I'd like to impact college football the best way I can, whether it's being a spokesperson or anything else. Listen, I'm for the players. It's not that I'm not for the players. I want to set. I want to see the players have a great quality of life and be able to create value for themselves. But we've gone to nobody talking about education, nobody talking about creating value for their future, to talking about how much money can I make while I'm in college. I think the consequence of this could come down the road when some of these guys get 28, 29 years old that maybe they didn't prepare themselves for when they can't play football anymore, which is what you should do when you go to college. He says, um, what you have now isn't name, image, and likeness. A collective has nothing to do with name, image, and likeness. Amen. Saban said he would like to see any player compensation model that is created to be brought in-house at the various schools and taken away from donor-based collectives. Frankly, that's an opinion that a lot of people share. He says that, that there, there could be Title IX issues. Quote, people can give money to the university again and get a tax deduction for doing it. And the university in some kind of way shares, whether it's share revenue, whether it's buying marketing rights, uh, which is a possibility. Uh, he says you can buy somebody's marketing rights as an institution. And I don't want to say cap because that sounds like a salary cap, but find a way for schools to invest the same amount of money in players, just like everybody can invest the same amount in a scholarship. This becomes a part of the scholarship. He says, just like an NFL player has a contract or a coach has a contract, something in place. So you don't have all of this rating of rosters and mass movement. 
I wonder what fans are going to say when they don't even know the team from year to year because there's no development of teams just bringing in new players every year. Uh, He was asked about being a commissioner of college football. He says people like uh, Greg Sankey or Alabama Athletics Director Greg Byrne would be more qualified than I am. They're in it every day. They know all the issues. That's why I'm hesitant to come up with a firm solution because you don't know the consequences of the solution relative to, all right, do we have to pass antitrust laws to be able to do it this way? What does it entail? It's one thing to come up with a solution. It's another thing to implement it. I'm just here to help. Um, I agree with everything Saban says here. I really do. I, and, and it's funny. There's this pushback from fans, and I totally understand it, who say, hey, he is uh, he's the Al- former Alabama coach. He's viewing everything through an Alabama prism. He wants what's best for Alabama, not what's best for the sport. And I get that. I understand that criticism. Um, I can tell you that I don't think it's right. I, I do think Nick Saban truly cares about college football. I think that Nick Saban talks to a lot of coaches. A lot of coaches, everyone respects him. And he, when he says these things, he is speaking for a lot of high-profile, very successful coaches at the SEC Big Ten level who just wonder whether this is sustainable much longer. Hey, who do we have, caller? Yo, it's Grind. What's up, Grind? How are you, man? Oh, man, I'm doing pretty good, man. Enjoying the show, man. I'm glad to see that, you know, your recovery's going well. You got a lot of hair race guys going on, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm getting better. I'm I'm back on my feet. I'm moving around. I'm in I'm 6 weeks into rehab and all that stuff. I'm I'll be running I'll be running miles all over Oxford before you know it, Grind. <laughs> I got you, man. I kind of wanted to talk a little college basketball with you, man. Okay. A little bit. I I want to punch a ticket on Houston to win it all, man. I really do. What do you think about that? Houston, I think they're one of the four or five teams that you would, if you said, hey, you can have four teams of the field, Houston would be one of the four you'd want for sure. It would be, I think it'd be Houston, UConn. Um, see, that's the crazy part. After Houston and UConn, you kind of start getting into those teams. Where you're like, I don't know. Everybody's kind of. I think it's going to be a really fun tournament because, like, I'll, I'll give you, I an, agree. I'll give you an example: Alabama. If you told me Alabama made the Final Four, I'm not even a little surprised. If you told me Alabama got bounced in the second round, I'm not a little surprised. Um, you know, yep. I, mean, I, I think there's a lot of that. Tennessee. If you told me Tennessee's in the Final Four, I'm really not surprised. They 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 check all the boxes. If you told me Tennessee gets beat in a four thirteen game in round one, I'm not surprised. You know the thing about this Tennessee team. I may be changing my tone just because. This team is is not the typical Rick Barnes team, the way they, you know, play and things of that nature. And it feels like that would be the team that finally goes deep into the tournament for them. Well, you got to remember last year, the point guard got hurt late in the season and they never really had a chance to recover. And this year they've got, you know, they've got Josiah James. Dalton Connect's been terrific for them on both ends. They're physical. They have some depth. They have, they can, they can overcome injuries or foul trouble in the post the point guards a terrific I don't player know what i don't know whatever tennessee player is paying that connect due to nil they got to steal on 
I'm, I feel like whatever they're paying them, they got a steal on them. I mean, he was at, what was he, Northern Colorado? I mean, yeah, something like that. He's been terrific. I mean, he's been great for them. I mean, I, people talk about him as an NBA player. I mean, I don't know, whatever, but he's a terrific college player. He's kind of slotted, you know, somewhere between 15 and 20 in the NBA draft in a year where the, the draft's bad. But he's he's great for them. He's physical. He can score on different levels. He, I think he makes them tougher. He sort of fits that Barnes mentality of we're going to be tough and physical and all of that stuff. And he's older and he's mature and he's been great for them. And, and much the same way as Grant Nelson's been great for Alabama here lately. True, true. Have you seen that crazy stat about UConn basketball? Yeah, about going on the road I against ranked I teams. It. Yeah, I, I, it, I thought yeah. that was isn't that wild? I had no idea that they were that bad. That is crazy. Yeah, it just what well, shows you to. I mean, and this year it's been so pronounced. I mean, you follow a team that really sees it. I mean, the difference between teams at home and teams on the road is just incredible. Like when you watch, and I watch, I watch a lot of NBA, right? And so you you don't see that in the NBA. Like, I'm with you. No, like there's yeah. a there's a home. Yeah, you were just about to say like the Magic would go beat the Heat at home or something. Yeah, like yeah, there's a home court advantage, but it's more travel related. Like you know, it's more of a like okay, we'll take the Magic for example. I don't know their schedule, but like they they go to they they go to a a a. a uh, back-to-back where they play in Dallas on Tuesday night and Oklahoma City on Wednesday night, right? And they, they play Dallas really close and on Wednesday yeah. night. And Wednesday night they get blown out because it's a schedule loss because maybe the Thunder had three days off before. You get a lot of that in the NBA. You definitely get schedule losses. You don't really get that in college because you only mm-hmm. play two games a week. You can kind of, you know, they're young guys. They play on Tuesday or Wednesday, then they play again on Saturday. Tuesday or Wednesday, play again on Saturday. But it's amazing the difference between what a team looks like on the road and what a team looks like at home. It is the damnedest thing. Man, you would think that like when teams hit the road, everybody girlfriends just bulk up with them. <laughs> yeah. You would think that. I know, it, <laughs> and it's not like, like my God. It's not like there's a the, the travels that extreme. I mean, you, you board a flight, you fly someplace, you spend the night in a hotel, you get up, have a shoot around, have a meal, go to the go to the arena and play, but. It's, it's wild. I mean, you know, it's why when, it's why when like Kentucky went to Auburn, everybody's like Florida. I get it because Auburn, Auburn looks like a Final Four team every time they play at home, and Kentucky looks like Kentucky goes to LSU last night and loses. You know, it's just, it's it's crazy. Yep. But it's why the tournament on a neutral setting, and I don't know how many people listening have ever been to the NCAA tournament, but the NCAA tournament's weird because. It's four games in a single day at a site, which means that first game is typically kind of sleepy. It's the biggest game of the year for both teams, and yet it's it's 11 a.m. or noon, and it's kind of sleepy, and the arena's kind of empty, and it's kind of cavernous, and when they're warming up, there's nobody there. You know, they go out on the court at 10 a.m. to start warming up, and there's not a soul in the building but some media people, and as the game goes on, the fans for the second game start to come in and it starts to get some juice. And by the as the day goes on, it starts to feel have a big feel to it. But um, neutral sites, weird arenas, stuff like that. It's this tournament's got a chance to be crazy. But yeah, I mean, if you told me I could have two teams against the field, I would have Houston and Connecticut. 
Agree. Okay, I'm with you on that. And my last two things before I let you go. I will. I kind of got. I want to see if you agree with me on this one about Auburn basketball. Then I'm gonna ask you about Ole Miss basketball. I basically because I mean you can understand people are all upset about you know Ed Bruce after the loss to Kentucky and whatnot. But my whole thing is that these these right now are just the golden days of Auburn basketball, and that whatever Bruce Pearl does. It's not the Auburn basketball standard. It's the Bruce Pearl standard, and we just happen to be, you know, beneficiaries of that. Yeah. And that, for instance, when Bruce Pearl goes on, we shouldn't be expecting, you know, hey, you got to do something close to what Pearl did. And so I, I tend to give Pearl a ton of slack. Like, I, I don't criticize Pearl not one bit. He can do whatever. He can cuss me out, and I'd be like, okay, go win the next one. You know what I mean? Sure. But, uh, you know, I'm trying to see, do you agree with, with my point of view, or do you – do you agree with the other point of view on that? Um, I mean, you know, I covered Auburn when Cliff Ellis took him to a couple of Sweet 16s. So I, I do think it's a program that has a has the ability to have a high ceiling. But I, I've, I've told I – mean, I mean, I'm a huge Bruce Pearl fan, have been for a long time. I think he's terrific. Um, I like the guy. I like watching his teams play. I like the way he coaches. Um, I like the way he treats media. Um, I, I, I'm a big Pearl fan. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of biased. Um, I, I, I'd catch myself cheering for his teams. Um, you know, I mean, he, look, he's going to be difficult to replace whenever that time comes. Cause he's an elite coach. I mean, he's terrific. He's, he's very, very good at what he does. And you know, they, they ran into that Miami team a couple of years ago where it was a terrible matchup. And that's just kind of part of the tournament that you can't control. You, you can have a really good team and they did yeah. with Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler and, you know, those that was a really good Auburn team, and they just ran into the exact wrong team to play in, in the second round, and they got beat. You know, we give Miami credit; they played really well that day. Um, and that could happen. Who knows? I mean, like you know, he he got a bad call. He's a bad call away from playing for a national title at Auburn. I mean, he's done a great job. Replacing him is going to be very, very hard. And that's all I've been trying to say. But it's like you know, I. I don't agree with, you know, the whole sentiment that as a program, you know, rises that you get more critical with a coach, especially if you've never been super successful in that, you know, with that program. So Auburn should Auburn should thing. let Bruce but, Pearl stay there as long as Bruce Pearl wants to stay. They they literally there should be the 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 deal with him would be Bruce as long as you want to be here, you're here. Agree. Agree. And then my uh, my last thing about Ole Miss basketball is and I know Chris Beard couldn't, you know, obviously the schedule was kind of most light of his hands because I think we're like with year one coaches, it's mostly already set, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of it was set. You know, he didn't. It's just so hard. You get there in the middle of March and you're putting a staff together and you're trying to put a team together and then you got to go schedule and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of uh, just hectic. And they put a schedule together, and some of it was pretty weak because I think they wanted to stack some wins. And some of it was probably they thought mm-hmm. they thought Temple would be better. I think they thought UCF would be better. Um, you know, they they got that tournament and they got Cal and not not was it not Cal? It was Colorado. Cal. They played Cal. And Cal's turned out to not be any good. And you know, there was some of that was tied out of their control. And then. You know, but they didn't. They didn't aggressively schedule. They did play Memphis, and they beat Memphis. And at the time, they thought that was going to be this huge win. And Memphis has absolutely just fallen apart. So you know, you can. I, I think it's a fair thing to say. Hey, they didn't schedule all that aggressively. It's probably 
a little unfair to dig too far into it because I think they thought this schedule would be better than it was, and the part that isn't is out of their control. Oh, yeah, 100%. Only what I was just trying to get at is, let's just say, for instance, they would have scheduled, you know, tougher, and let's just say instead of going undefeated, what they I think they went 15-0 in the North Carolina. 13-0, 13-0, yep. 13-0? Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's just say, for instance, they would have went uh, like 8-4 and four with a tough with a t- – or 7-5 and five or something and had like two quad one wins, but they had five quad one losses. And going into SEC play, everybody was like, well, it looks like, you know, they're headed to the NIT. But then, you know, as things got different, basically it, what I'm trying to – I guess trying to say is, do you think it would be viewed differently if Ole Miss starting – with SEC play, wasn't this team that was, hey, they're, they're you know, kind of in the tournament right now trying to, you know, look for a better season instead of being a team that's more on the outside looking in and then trying to work, you know, work their way in the tournament. It's basically work their way up, you know, as the SEC schedule comes instead of kind of, you know, playing themselves out of it. Do you, do you think, you know, I guess the way fans view the way the season is going would be different? Because, I mean, if you're going into SEC play, just hoping for, you know, an NIT berth. And now you're like, well, you know, we could go to the NCAA. But, you know, now it's instead of going, you know, hey, we're going to the, you know, we could go to the tournament, but now it looks like we might be playing into the NIT. Do you think that's kind of, you know, having, you know, a little something to do with it? Yeah, a little bit, maybe. I mean, expectations got raised by the 13-0, and just the number. But I, I, I think a lot of people also knew that, hey, they played a lot of close games. It could have gone the other way against bad teams and that, this was a roster that had some limitations, and it does. It, it's a roster that has limitations. I mean, you know, you saw Alan Flanagan play a lot at Auburn. In an ideal world, Alec, yeah. Alan Flanagan is a fourth option. On it, on Ole Miss, in an ideal world, he he's like your yeah. He 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 he's a guy that's kind of lean or your second guy for your second unit for yeah. a real strong second unit. Ole Miss, in an the, ideal world. Ole Miss has put a lot on him. They're asking him to be the number two option. They're asking him to guard some of the better players on the other teams. They've they've put a lot on his back. And for the most part, he's handled it pretty damn well. But when you go up against – late in the season and everybody scouted you, I mean, you see that so much now. I mean, like you watched that Alabama-Florida game last night. Those two teams knew exactly what was coming. I mean, they knew everything that was coming. <laughs> yeah. And and you know you just gotta you gotta execute at a really high level and and whatever flaws you have really get exposed in conference play, and that's what's happened with them. And I mean they just you know in an ideal world Jamin Breakfield's a fourth option and Ole Miss he's a third option. They just and in an ideal world Jalen Murray's kind of a guard off your bench who comes in and is a spark plug. Ole Miss needs him to play thirty five minutes a night. It's they're asking a lot of different people. Yeah, I agree. And see, but the thing about it is, Ole Miss, I think they're just asking so much from their guards right now. Because I watched the Mississippi State game, and I mean, Murray, like I watched the full first half, and that guy impressed me, you know, to the max. I mean, like, I mean, when he's going, he's going. And so, um, you know, I think that's what gives Ole Miss a chance, because, I mean, obviously in college basketball, it's all about the guard play. So, uh, I guess I'm going to leave you with this and then hang up. If I told you you can't take – Alabama, Kentucky, or Tennessee to win the SEC tournament and that Jalen Williams for Auburn is going to miss the SEC tournament, 
what three teams would you take to win it to win the SEC tournament? Florida. And I hang up and listen, man, and enjoy the show. Who are the ones that are out again? I can't have Tennessee, Alabama, Auburn, or Kentucky. Well, you can take Auburn, but Jalen Williams won't be playing in the SEC tournament. Okay. And I can't have Alabama, and I can't have Tennessee. Nope, and you can't have Tennessee. Okay. I, I can have Kentucky? Yeah, you can take Kentucky if you okay. want to. Uh, I would take Florida first, no question about it. Um, my second choice would probably be LSU. I love the way they're playing. I, mm. I had uh, I had Blake Lovell on a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, "Hey, watch LSU." And Blake knows the league. He was like, "Watch LSU. Just keep an eye on LSU." And sure enough, man, they've they've played really well lately. Like they didn't get credit for how well they played Alabama and Baton Rouge. Alabama had one of those ten minute stretches where they like kicked the ball from half court and it went in. But other than, I mean, LSU was with them. They, they, they played them really, really well, and it got my attention. Their their performance last night against a desperate Kentucky team was impressive. Um, and then the third team would probably be Kentucky just by, because of talent. If, if Auburn doesn't have Jalen Williams, I, I don't think I could pick them to win four games in four days or whatever. But I'd probably take Kentucky because you're going to get, you know, you're going to get the Rupp South, and they 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 do have a talented roster. They could they could easily be the team that pulls that off. You know, if if things hold, because Matt Jones on KSR has been drilling this. This will only be the second time ever that Kentucky will won't get a double bye in the SEC tournament. That they you know they won't be a top four seed. Wow, that's yeah, that's true. I didn't even thought about it like that. It's so you're so used to their fans being at the Wednesday games and the Thursday games, and you look at them like, what the hell are y'all doing here? They don't you don't play till tomorrow. <laughs> but um, yeah, no. Look, it, it it should be a really fun tournament. There's it's kind of up for grabs, and if Kentucky's playing on Thursday, their fans will all be there, and um, you know, like even some of the teams at the bottom of the league, like. Georgia's capable of winning games. Um, I think yeah. Ar- Arkansas is going to be – Ar- the team that's, that's weird. Yeah, a and is really weird. You know, Arkansas is going to play Missouri on Saturday at home. I think they're going to win that. They're going to get to five wins. They're starting to play with the little they, – they almost beat State. They, they, they beat a and I think they'll beat Missouri. Like, you look at the games Saturday, it's uh, Missouri at Arkansas – uh, Florida's going to get back on the winning track. They get Vanderbilt at home. South Carolina at Ole Miss is just a huge game for both teams. Alabama's got to go to Kentucky. It's mm-hmm. a big moment for Kentucky. Like they, they need that game. I think Auburn's going to win at Georgia. I think it'll be close and sloppy, but they'll win. Texas A&M. Yeah, I'm worried about Auburn, man. They're okay. Texas A&M. I'm worried about Auburn, man. Texas A&M. Oh, I, hey, listen to this. Texas A&M loses at home to Arkansas, and now you got to go to Tennessee to play a Tennessee team that you blew out in College Station. And then, and then the really good game Saturday night. No joke. This, I think, this is going to be a great game. Mississippi State at LSU. That's a terrific yeah. game. And then. I mean, to my I mean, point, like, LSU, here's my point. LSU like, could get that thing. LSU could get that thing. And then Kentucky, after Kentucky plays Alabama, they got to go to Mississippi State Tuesday. This, I mean, it's the league's – my point Ooh. Like my point about the league is you get to Nashville and it's it's up for grabs. Like, again, 
LSU gets Georgia at home on Tuesday. LSU, if they could beat Mississippi State, they're going to beat Georgia at home. Um, Arkansas gets Vanderbilt at home. They're going to get another win. They get that that put them in what that put them six and seven or something. I don't know. I lose track. Florida gets Missouri at home. Florida's yeah. going Florida's going to stack some wins. Auburn's got to go to Tennessee next week. South Carolina's got to go to X Texas A yeah. and M. Ole Miss has to play Alabama. I mean, it, it's. It's pretty, it's it's pretty interesting stuff. The, the the Kentucky part of this is what's interesting to me because they could easily lose at home to Alabama. They could easily lose at Mississippi State. They've just they've got a hard schedule in front of them. That that thing is going to get you know the whole Calipari thing because they're talking about you know. They're saying that if he makes the Sweet 16, that's an if spot for the fan base. And I just think that whole thing's weird. And before I uh, – I'm going to leave you with this and just hang up. What would you say to the A&M contingent that has said – that's saying that Buzz Williams has been at A&M for – it's three or four years now, zero NCAA tournament wins, and it doesn't look like he's going to make the tournament now. So, you know, what – I guess, what you know, what would you be your message to them? And then, you know, I'm going to hang up. Man. Okay. You have a good show and, you know, have a good one, man. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it. My message would be you're crazy if you fire him. And if you're going to fire him, you better pour a bunch of money into NIL. And you better know what you're doing. And you better understand that it's going to be really hard to hire a coach at Texas A&M who's a better coach than Buzz Williams. That would be my message. You can probably do it, but it's going to be hard. You better know precisely what it is that you're, uh, what it is that you're trying to do. Because he's really good. I mean, Buzz Williams would have multiple job offers within 48 hours. All right, last few questions. Um, Let's see, Florida Reb, one of my MLB predictions. Uh, I like Baltimore in the AL East. I kind of like Kansas City in the AL Central. As crazy as that is. Um, AL West is up for grabs. The Rangers won the World Series last year, but I don't know that they've added to their team the way that you would like to. The Angels aren't good. Uh, I do like the Mariners. Um, Houston, obviously, is going to be very good. I probably would go Astros, AL West. Um, NL East, I love the Braves, period. Uh, NL Central, nobody really took a step this offseason. St. Louis is not considerably better. Milwaukee's going to be worse. The Cubs haven't figured out what they're doing with Bellinger and that kind of thing. Uh, I kind of have a feeling Cincinnati is going to be sneaky good in the central. I'll pick the Cardinals, but like, I think it's super close because I think four teams are, are really mediocre three for sure. I think the Cubs Cardinals reds are basically the same team in terms of their win loss ceiling, that kind of thing. Um, in West, I like the Dodgers, period. Um, I think the National League comes down to Braves, Dodgers. American League feels like it comes down to um, Orioles, Astros. I'll go, um, I'll go Braves, Orioles, World Series. It should be a lot of fun. Braves upset the Dodgers. Orioles get it done this year. They learned a lot from last year. Braves, Braves, Orioles, World Series. I don't think there's a, a big surprise for anybody. 
Um, let's see. Last few questions. Appreciate everybody helping and participating. Calling has been a big help. Hopefully you've enjoyed the show. Uh, Sip Reb card says, will the Thunder Oklahoma City Thunder team win a NBA championship in the next few years? Um, all the pieces are there. Literally all the pieces are there. They're young, second youngest team in the NBA. They're, uh, as of tonight, the two seed in the Western Conference. They have a top five player in Shea Gildas Alexander. They have a top 25 to 30 player in Jalen Williams, the Santa Clara Jalen Williams. Uh, Chet Holmgren should win Rookie of the Year. Whether he does or doesn't remains to be seen, but he should. He's been incredibly impactful for them. Uh, they have a deep bench they have a ton of pieces that they can uh, maintain realistically for the next six, seven, eight years if they want to. They have tons of assets, picks, money. Uh, they can do pretty much anything they decide they want to do. Can they win a championship? Sure. Winning championships is really hard. Luck is required. I think they have to add a big that can play with Holmgren to take some of the pressure off him. Um, but if if SGA stays healthy and Jalen Williams becomes the player that I and a lot of other people think he's going to become, they're they're a real contender for the next five, six, seven years. And if you're a contender that long and you catch a break, sure they can win a title, no doubt. They're they're a blast to watch. They're they're fun to me. They're everything that's fun about sports right now because they're. A team that you can follow year over year. You can watch the guys grow up. You can watch them play together. There's continuity. Um, they're only going to get better, assuming that they can stay healthy. They're fun. Um, Hattiesburg Rev, last question, says, has Carson talked about any specific colleges he wants to visit? He has. We've started, we've started that process a little bit. Uh, he's got a couple of uh, junior days that he's going to. There's a couple other schools that he wants to see. Um He's still playing with the whole soccer thing. I think he's beginning to beginning to finalize some thoughts on that uh, as to what he wants to do. And then uh, is Matt Shaw the Cubs starting third baseman next season? I think so. I think so. Unless Christopher Morrell just takes off and handles it, or unless for some reason the Cubs sign Matt Chapman to a deal and he's the he's the third baseman for a while. I don't. I don't think that'll be the case. I I do think it's Shaw. They're super excited about him. It's one of the reasons I don't fault the Cubs for not overpaying for, for Bellinger or Chapman or those kind of things. They have all these young players. Even if you add Chapman and Bellinger to this team, they're nowhere near as good as the Dodgers, as the Braves. You have all these young bats uh, in their lineup, in their system, I should say, I don't mind the approach that they're taking to build build from within the way the Braves did, the way the, the Dodgers did to a degree. See what you have and then make more educated decisions in the near future. That's what I would do. It's what I think they're kind of doing. I don't uh I don't I don't mind that approach. I agree with Grian, by the way. And and he says he's he's referring to this year. He says Thunder can do it, but West is a beast. Um the Suns are are an, a 
Western Conference Final team. I agree. I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think the Thunder are, are making the Western Conference Finals this year. I, I, if you told me they lost in the first round, I'm not surprised. The the thing about them that's positive is that no matter what happens, they're going to play a playoff series, and they're either going to win it and learn a lot about themselves, or they're going to lose it and be able to go back and say, okay, well, here's why we lost and fix it. Because they have the assets to fix anything they want to fix. They can do anything they want to do from internal to external uh, to trading picks to doing that kind of thing. They have more flexibility probably than any team in the league. So, And their window just started this year. This is realistically anything past the first round this year is gravy. So they're fun starting Starting next year, they're a real title contender because they'll have an opportunity to play a playoff series or two and learn a lot about themselves. For example, can you know the big question in Oklahoma City is can Josh Giddy play off the ball in this iteration of the Thunder? And right now the answer appears to be no because SGA's the the point guard. When he's off the court, they're using Jalen Williams as the primary ball handler. Uh, they've developed shooters with Isaiah Joe, Lou Dort, Kenrich Williams. They just traded for Gordon Hayward. He's going to play his first game tonight against the Clippers. Um, they have some pieces that that make a lot more sense than what Giddy does. But maybe, maybe they in a playoff series they see where they could use Giddy, or maybe they see that hey they can't use Giddy and they trade Giddy for another piece. There's a lot of stuff they can still do. They're still in their infancy stages of sort of figuring out what the best iteration of uh, that team is. So we'll wrap it up there. Again, thanks to uh, everyone who called. Thanks to all who asked questions in the uh, in the thread. I'm very appreciative. Uh, also, big thanks to our friends at Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating, for making this show possible each and every week. This will be up as the Oxford Exxon podcast on Friday. We'll have uh, complete coverage over the weekend, baseball, basketball, and, of course, we'll be back Monday with another week of podcast here at, the, uh, at MPW Digital. So until then... Have a, uh, have a great weekend. Be safe out there, and we will talk to you soon. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.